folks, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about video games, movies, and whatever the heck else we feel like. I'm your co-host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is co-host and birthday boy, Michael Jones. <laughs> it's your birthday, buddy. It is. I, I've revolved around the sun once more. Happy birthday, and- Mr. Pre- Mr. Podcaster. <laughs> I'm Marilyn Monroe. And you're JFK, nice. buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is now historic. Historic birthday boy. Um, there we go. We we we, <laughs> we look the space, not because with something, but because we can. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. That's uncanny, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, I practiced once, and <laughs> also there's Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons, who is a JFK. Uh, character pretty much <laughs> and i watched a bunch of the simpsons so you doing anything yeah. for your birthday do anything special uh i'm here recording with you wow what about after this because oh this is indefinite like this is indefinite we- we're going to be oh. recording all day what well, is your birthday so i'm happy to oblige <laughs> <laughs> also it's going to be well past your birthday uh by the time this comes out but let's get a happy birthday mike going in the chat better late than never should do like a sound effect like that. Yay! <laughs> Yay! There it is. Yay! Uh, so today, Mike, we're kind of do it, taking it easy. Uh, we're giving ourselves a little bit of a break, and um, you know, you and me, we're little, we're little content gluttons. We just love to consume media. <laughs> Always doing it. So we thought it might be fun to do an episode just about the things we're currently watching, reading, listening to, whatever, and just pack it all into one. Uh, and see if there's any value that comes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think that Eldritch Horrors, uh, you know, do little shows about all of the uh, existence that they consume? I would have to think, what else do they have to do but start a podcast? You know what I mean? When you are as old as space and time. <laughs> we we are all Eldritch Horrors in our own way. <laughs> hey, well, everybody, welcome back to the Cthulhu cast. I'm your co-host, Cthulhu, and joining me as always is... <laughs> Some other guy. I don't know. I don't, you know. Yeah. You know, my, there's my something good there. Old, my, my good old friend HP. How's it going, HP? HP? Hello, it's me, HP Lovecraft. Just smash cut to an <laughs> image of a printer. Just, <laughs> or I was going to say a skeleton. Just <laughs> uh, so, Mike, we're going to keep this episode spoiler light. We'll use common sense. If we're talking about a movie or something that's very old, I think it's fair to talk about spoilers. If we're talking about something more recent or just, you know, uh, we'll just be, we'll use common sense basically. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, we just drafted up this like nice little spoiler, um, uh, warning, but for this one, yeah, there's, I think there's a few things in here that I, I I'm not sure really fall underneath that. So, um, I guess if, you know, you hear something that you want to stay blind about, then, you know, kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll jump around through a few things, but yes. we'll kind of keep it light. And, uh, do you want to go first, Mr. BB? That stands for birthday boy. Yeah, um, the, the very first thing on my list, and I'm I'm just kind of I just wrote this all down willy nilly, no real thought to it, um, is uh, I've been watching a new show lately, and I I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, a friend recommend a few friends recommended this to me, and I've been watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I have not seen that. It is an anime. It is bizarre. Please, it's an anime. Oh. <laughs> And of course, I'm watching it subbed. What? Why would you ask? <laughs> um, but um, it is, it it is completely bizarre. So I mean, the the title is good. The title's correct. 
Um, it is just a like to, to, just to get into it. It's just a really fun show. Um, what's what's the premise? I'm not even that familiar. So the premise of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is uh, the like the very first scene kind of sets everything up where um, this like ro- like rich man is. Um, I think he's attacked on the roadside and these uh, lo- like uh, very poor thieves find him. And uh, one of the thieves is planning on just like taking all of the valuables that he can from him when the man wakes up. And when the man wakes up, he starts thanking the poor man for rescuing him, uh, you know, and the poor man's like embarrassed and feeling awkward because he was just going to rob him, right? <laughs> well, um the rich man sees this as an act of you know being saved and you know declares that he owes his life to this poor man for saving him and their sons each um the poor man he has a son named dio and the rich man has a son named uh jonathan uh, and, so it's gonna um, be like theo and uh, well, the, the rich family, their 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 last name is Joestar. So uh, the show initially is centered around Jonathan Joestar or Jojo. And um, Dio, when his father dies, uh, is adopted by the the rich man's father, um, Jojo's father, and they are immediately rivals to the point where uh, it's it's discovered that Dio is pretty much pure evil. And this I'm mask. I'm glad that guy's that, finding work, though. I'm glad Dio is finding work. Yes, yes. After all these years. Yeah. Uh, back, back in the game. Just back in the game. <laughs> back strong. The guy still got it. Hasn't missed a beat. Still, still got it. Um, R.I.P. Dio. Um, but um, so they they have this rivalry, and there's this mysterious mask on the wall of the Joestar estate that when covered in blood, these like little spikes come out of the back of it. Like they would, if you were wearing the mask, they would stab the side of your head. How do they figure that out? You think, uh, by accident, uh, Jonathan was like experimenting on the mask, trying to figure out its purpose. But then Dio discovers that when you put blood on the mask, it causes it to activate. And when it activates while someone's wearing it, it turns them into a friggin' vampire. Uh Oh, and the, now the adventure is getting bizarre. Um, so Dio becomes, at the time, it's like the 1800s, the ultimate evil. And Jonathan Joestar is a like scion of like the best uh, person one could possibly be, the most honorable person that one could be, but also a pretty dang muscly fighter. And mm-hmm. uh, like a lot, all the guys in this are really beefy. It's funny. Um, <laughs> And uh, they, they, they duke it out. And uh, that's the, the bizarre adventure begins. We have vampires and monsters and things. And Jojo's like, oh, I got to punch him. That sounds gotta fun. Save, got to save the world. Got to punch him. Um, and it's very silly. It's very fun. The characters are really uh, animated and enjoyable. The voice acting. Again, I'm watching the sub. So it's Japanese voice acting. And it's just, it's, it's like, you know, how the Yakuza games are. Like, it's just very uh, dramatic and over the top at times. It's mm-hmm. uh, quite an enjoyable watch. Um, I feel like this show is uh, just, you know, a really good fun time. So like, uh, I'm like growing up with shows like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. It's I think it's right in there. Maybe even a little bit better. Um, okay, cool. It, I'll have to, maybe I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You might enjoy it. And and I know that um, you're probably going to talk about Castlevania later. Yeah, speaking of anime vampires. Yeah. 
I haven't started watching season four of Castlevania yet, but that is like probably going to be immediately after Jojo. So um, I feel like uh, I don't want to talk too much about Jojo because I'm honestly only like 15, maybe 16 episodes into the show. Uh, and there's quite a little bit to go, so I, I don't really know that much more about it. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next, uh, because it, uh, it it's just a really fun time. And before we segue on to the next thing, I think the last thing I want to share about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is I love the credits music. Okay. <laughs> um, you know that meme with uh, like the to be continued graphic and then it plays roundabout by yes? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Um, that's where it came from, and I just personally love Yes and the song Roundabout and the album Fragile, which it's on. And so every time an episode gets close to ending, I hear like the the harmonic, uh, acoustic guitar playing that little melody before it goes into like the the song itself i'm just like oh yeah this is cool the way they use that song is really fun and every time i hear it i'm just like oh i love this song nice oh this show's good this show's good too so well uh, yeah so i've also been on an animated show kick kind of I, i wouldn't say i watch a lot of animated stuff but i'm also not put off by it but i was going to ask you if you've started castlevania season four which you've already answered so I actually don't want to talk about it too much just because you haven't watched it yet and I don't want to spoil anything for you. All I will say is that uh, I'm, I'm taking my time with it because it is the final season and I really like this show and I don't, you know, I just want to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it ending uh, and it's probably for the best because apparently Warren Ellis is a bit of a, a creep, Ooh. which is a shame. Uh, but I'm liking season four. I don't think I'm as hooked as season three. I think season three just really caught me off guard. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it's it's kind of clear, I think, the trajectory of where season four is going at this point I'm at right now, which is uh, just a little bit over halfway, I believe. And I'm very, very excited to see how it all pays off. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to jump into season four because the Castlevania anime has been like it. it it's just been really interesting and mm-hmm. uh and very well done as well i like i i honestly thought about starting out from the beginning again uh before jumping into season four just because each time i've watched it it has just gotten better yeah i think my plan is when i finish season four i definitely want to just rewatch the whole thing because i'm wondering if maybe the fact that i season four isn't ha- it hitting as hard for me is because of my expectations, you know what I mean? And once, once I know what it is and see where the whole picture going back and watching it all at once, I, I might be singing a different tune and I don't want to insinuate that it's not good because it is very, very good. It's really cool. I just would say it's, it's very good, not great, which is what I would say season three was. Yeah. Uh, but the other, uh, did you have something you want to add? No, no. Um, carry on my wayward son. <laughs> okay. Dad, uh, my birthday, dad. <laughs> since i you know i don't want to talk about that too much i did watch a movie that came out on hbo max just uh last friday of when we recorded this and uh it's one of those warner brothers movies that's only going to be on for about a month so i kind of wanted to talk about it because people should watch it now while they can and it's called those who wish me dead have you heard of it michael i have not I liked it. I liked it a lot. So it was co-written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, who I like him a lot. He is like he was an actor. Now he does a lot of writing and producing. And he wrote Sicario, which is probably his most famous, which I actually haven't seen. (laughs) But uh, I really 
grew fond of him from uh, watching the movie Hell or High Water. Uh, have you seen that, Michael? I have not. Okay, well, you should watch Hell or High Water. It's really, really cool. It's a, <laughs> it's essentially a modern Western, and it came out that summer. I was bartending at that movie theater in Chicago, so for obvious reasons, I saw every movie that was out that summer, uh, <laughs> and I was really caught off guard how much I liked it, and then he followed that up with uh, Wind River, which is a, a different movie. Also good, Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's about this uh, kid who his father gets caught up in some grand criminal conspiracy, and is killed, and he ends up uh, stumbling into, onto, I guess, Angelina Jolie's character, who is a uh, a firewatch marshal like for the Park Service. Um, and so they are kind of on this, on the run from these guys. That's like the the way the trailer set it up. That's what, like, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil anything, so. Uh, but I was kind of caught off guard, because the movie is much more of an ensemble piece than I was expecting. Uh, obviously, Angelina Jolie is like front and center of the marketing materials because she's a movie star. Like, I get that. Uh, and she's awesome. She does a great job. But I, I really, really w- liked the greater cast as well. Uh, John Bernthal's in this movie. And I think that guy is like one of the best character actors that is like working right now. I really, really like John Bernthal. And he's great in this. And I think Taylor Sheridan is a really good director. And Something I like about his uh, his work is I remember reading an interview a few years ago where he talked about how he doesn't live in L.A. And so that kind of gives him a little bit of a different perspective than a lot of the other people working in L.A., obviously. Yes. So in, in his movies, even the ones he writes, always take place in like really interesting uh, locations and, and have like really interesting setups. Like Hell or High Water takes place in – it is out west, but it's it's in like the desert. Uh, I think it's kind of close to Vegas because the, the setup of that movie is these brothers are trying to pay off their ailing – or no, their, their parents have passed and they're trying to pay off their mortgage, I believe, by robbing banks and then laundering the money at a casino and then paying back the bank. And the bank they're robbing is the bank that owns the mortgage. <laughs> so they're robbing the <laughs> bank to pay off the bank. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. And this movie is set – uh, somewhere like Wyoming, I don't remember exactly, but some big forest. Um, and all of Taylor Sheridan's scripts have like the same kind of flavor where they're these like really grounded uh, thrillers, I guess, but they all also are very much of a different genre. Like Hell or High Water, like I said, is a Western. Wind River is kind of a murder mystery. And then this movie is more of a, uh, a straight like crime thriller. Uh, so really good. I really, really enjoyed it. I will say the beginning is a little slow. All the setup is a little slow and it doesn't do anything like super groundbreaking. Um, You're not going to watch this and think it's like super different than anything you've seen before. But the final act is really, really cool. Uh, It it was awesome. I I like the the sound of that. Like um, you got a couple movies that sound like the really fun time engaging. But yeah, when when it comes down to like groundbreaking stuff. Um, it is nice to, you know, just have something that's a little bit familiar, but a little bit different and like kind of a, a fresh take on it. Um, but it doesn't have to change the entire playing field. And that sounds like what this is. I'll, I'll definitely, I think I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's good. I really, really like it. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts if you watch it. Um, and speaking of things like the, we're watching so far, I didn't put this on the list initially, but I figured, I figure it's worth mentioning since we're, you know, just shooting the shit, you know, right now. And, uh, I, I, I recently watched the most, uh, like the latest Jacob Geller video essay on YouTube. Is it the Simpsons and, one? 
It was. And, I haven't watched and I, that I, yet, yeah. And I, I guess, like, you know, I'll just do the, the surprise mechanics bump, but uh, Jacob Geller does some really, <laughs> really insightful work um, in his analysis of video games and TV and movies. Um, and uh, it's definitely worth looking into and, and giving a watch. But the Simpsons video had me thinking, I need to watch some Don Hertzfeld uh, films, specifically the, that World of Tomorrow trilogy uh, that uh, Jacob mentioned in his analysis of Don Hertzfeld's couch gag from The Simpsons, which I watched the couch gag and was just kind of blown away. Um, this like really weird and abstract post future type. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you would describe it. It's just like this. It, it feels like existence, right? Um, just, just raw existence and the, the weird, uh, abstractions that are the Simpsons and their like forms, um, have all these crazy lines, like, uh, all animals can scream. And then Homer just like says, I have memories <laughs> and, and Jacob's perspective on this video is, oh, it's kind of insane how the Simpsons, you know, they they are stuck in this state of perpetual change, but they also cannot change, right? Um, for the last more than 20 years, they've been essentially living like the same year over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. They don't age, but the years go by. And The Simpsons is now so old that... Uh, Homer will have a flashback to wishing and wanting and trying to be a DJ as a teenager in the 90s when he was already a middle-aged <laughs> yeah, man. right. Because, <laughs> um, like, this, this series began in the 80s when he was already an adult man. So um, it's, it's really intriguing how a show running this long in this sitcom format, you have these characters that you know, have learned and have all of these sh experiences that they share from 20, 25 seasons of television. And then right. also they don't at all because it's a sitcom. It, it, it has to follow this format where anything can happen. And to contextualize everything, we have to like keep moving forward with time while really nothing changes. Um, the other interesting uh, piece that Jacob pointed out was how through doing literally nothing uh, the Simpsons have transitioned from uh, being a like low income family like their their home their vehicles their their social status at the beginning of the series is very much one of a family that's like just probably around the poverty line or like low income mm -hmm. in general but uh, through doing absolutely nothing you know, they didn't move to a new house. They didn't buy a new car. Uh, Homer didn't even get a new job. Now they are <laughs> very firmly middle or upper, upper middle class just because of the way that the times outside of the show have changed. Um, you know, their house, their, their, their vehicles, everything, all of those material that, yeah, conditions have uh, shifted in a sense that that's now the upper middle class uh, in America. So uh, it's it's kind of crazy to to watch that happen, um, and, and and think about that. Like uh, you, you don't you don't watch it happen in real time necessarily because um, watching each episode or even just like occasionally catching an episode of The Simpsons on TV if you happen to, um, you don't get 
a sense of time progressing in any episode. Um, and to watch 25 seasons of The Simpsons is, it feels like a, a, a huge undertaking. Uh, so I think it'd be difficult to like witness that like truly, but um, since it's been around for so long, it's just like, wow, we, we've really shifted quite a lot. Yeah. And, and that all of that leads me back to, I should watch some Don Hertzfeld films. <laughs> That's like an interesting conundrum of like a, a, a show. It'd have to be animated likely just going on so long that it, it, I don't know. It's almost like it makes itself obsolete because they can't do things they would have done when they started or they can't, you know, it, it's hard to reference certain events because like you said, you'd have to flash back to the point where the, in the Simpsons case, it's gone full circle. The The show was on air when they would flash back to. And I also think of like, like family guy and South park are also probably like this shows that have been on for so long. And in family guys case got canceled twice and then came back. Uh, and it reminds me of how uh, Archer, how I remember reading uh, an interview with the creator of Archer and he said when they made that show, they went for a very deliberate, timeless feel. Now, I, for them, it was a style choice. I don't think they were planning on having Archer on air for like 30 years. 1960s vibe, but they also have cell phones. Exactly. So who, they, you know, the internet exists just because it's like too it's it's too easy to like use the internet, obviously, now, like from approaching it, unless you're going to go like full Downton Abbey and have it be like this hard period piece. It's like, no, like we might want to do a plot line where something funny happens involving the internet and we don't want to close ourselves off to that. Yeah. And, and, and with that too, it's like, um, these shows, they, they, they get to be so big that, um, and, and not big as in terms of popularity, but big in terms of like, we have, you know, 300, 400, maybe 500 episodes. Um, it, it's just impossible to keep track of everything that has been done so far. And, and just keep it all like very neatly tied together in a way that you don't run into any like major plot issues if there is a plot uh, or just conflicting things uh, throughout the show. So it's bound to happen that like something doesn't jive with something else in the series because, oh, that happened 15 years ago. How was I supposed right. to account for that? <laughs> I just tried to make a funny script for next week. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, The Simpsons is one of my big uh, pop culture blind spots. Of course, I know of The Simpsons, and I've seen episodes of The Simpsons, but I've never, like, watched The Simpsons in earnest. At my last job, one of my, like, first weeks there, one of my coworkers loaned me the DVD one box set, and I never watched it. <laughs> I was there for, like, almost three years, and I just never watched it. Uh, and I, I really should... But there's just like so much stuff, so much media to consume. How do I have time there for 400 is. episodes of a cartoon? There, there is so much there, and and with The Simpsons alone, there is also so much there. And I, I once did do a Simpsons marathon of sorts um, uh, many, many years ago, but I did not watch the entirety of the series. I just, I only watched like the first nine seasons, which is kind of the, I think it's like common consensus that. Uh, the first nine seasons of The Simpsons are where it's at. And after that, you know, it's kind of give or take. Do you like it? Do you not like it? That's up to you. But the first nine seasons are pretty good, as they say. And uh, I think in particularly the episode Homer's Enemy is phenomenal. Um, probably probably like the peak of the, the entire series. And that is within those first nine seasons. Um, so... 
There, I think you could probably jump around in those if you really wanted to jump into The Simpsons. Um, but uh, there are there are a handful of episodes from that era that are like I think absolute must sees because they just even today they probably still hit uh, really well. And uh, it was the show's stride. I don't think they've ever returned to that level of quality uh, throughout their run. Well, this this isn't on my list either. But just speaking of animation, have you watched Invincible on Amazon Prime? I haven't, but I've heard of it. That's new, right? Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Um, this it's another one I don't want to talk about much because you should just watch it. But what I will a uh, uh, piece of advice, uh, just get through the first episode because by the end of the first episode, it's very clear exactly what they're doing. And I think between this and the boys, Amazon is finding their like their corner of this like really oversaturated superhero market and they could do some pretty cool stuff. Interesting. I uh, I'm curious now. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's I really, really liked it a lot. Uh, something I wanted to talk about is a, a comic series I've been reading that I'm really excited about because it's the first new series I've found in a couple years that I really enjoy and I'm current on, and it's called Something is Killing the Children, and it's uh, by James Tinian IV and Werther Del Edera, I think that's how you pronounce those names, and it's a, like, a horror series about a monster and uh, killing children in a small town in Wisconsin, and a young woman named Erica Slaughter shows up, and she's a professional monster hunter, and so she comes to help, and uh, it's really cool. There's, like, some cool world building. It it takes its violence seriously. It has, you know, it, there's like a weight to what's happening. And it's, uh, as the title implies, it's like not afraid to show kids getting murdered by this thing. Um, but it's not like dismal. And there are some really funny moments. Uh, it feels like a contemporary take on like Buffy, the vampire slayer or something mm-hmm. like that, where, uh, it's a very different sensibilities. I don't, I don't want that to turn anyone off. Cause I know some people think Buffy's annoying. Um, but that's just what it keeps reminding me of. And I feel like this is the kind of thing that would and should be adapted at some point because uh, I think it could do really well with a wider audience. Um, but it's also like legitimately scary at parts. The monster designs are really cool. And sometimes it, it, the the panel layouts are really interesting. They do a lot of interesting paneling. And sometimes even the way the monsters are drawn, it's almost hard to tell what you're looking at. But it feels deliberate because a big part of this world is that most adults can't see the monsters. So only kids can. And so it's like, at least the, my interpretation of it is, well, if you ask a child to describe it, you're probably not going to get the clearest description because not only is it from a child, but also it's a child that's horrified and scared and seeing this thing that defies explanation. Uh, and it's violent, but it's not crossed. Remember when I showed you crossed buddy? Yeah. Crossed (laughs) is really, 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 really tough really yeah, tough to, it's, to read yeah it's not that not that uh gruesome uh but yeah just the title again is called something is killing the children it's extremely good i have read both the trade paperbacks and i believe a third one is coming out uh this summer so i'll Excellent. be very excited to pick that up because uh i'm curious to see where the story goes that sounds intriguing i i do like a good monster like some good like monstrous horror as well like um, you can't go wrong with it. And the concept that the adults cannot see the, uh, the, the horror afflicting them, but the kids can 
is also a special kind of horror because I feel like that would definitely tap into like those feelings that younger people may have where people just aren't listening to them and what they see and what they feel. So there's a, a special kind of scary to that um, that sounds like it might come through in this. This is intriguing. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I had a friend, I was talking about to a friend of the show with Sam about it, and he was saying how he wanted to get into it, but he was kind of put off by the title just because, you know, I think it's fair to say with everything going on in the world right now, if you're not in the mood to watch or read a horror thing because you don't want to feel distressed, that's valid. Uh, but I want to stress again, the tone is really not too dark. It it takes what it's doing seriously. It takes the horror seriously. But I, I've never had like a hard time looking at it like I did something like Crossed, <laughs> where it's just so disturbing that you uh, almost have to wonder why you're doing this. That that uh, that year I was reading Crossed, was that two years ago? I had like weird dreams from Crossed. I imagine because I've like you showed me some panels from those comics and just those panels alone were really it's just like very visceral and um the, the the subject matter in crossed is not light by any means yeah well i guess we should just real quick because we've talked about it enough now uh, for anyone who's not familiar crossed is essentially a take on zombies but the um the infected the crossed they get this rash on their face that looks like a cross and they um they contain any knowledge they already had. So if you know how to drive a car, you know, the cross knows how to drive a car and they can still speak, but they're basically just pure. Would it be id? Is that the part of your brain that just wants to like have sex and eat and party? I think so. Um, Google. Yeah. Google id versus ego computer. Yes. Id the primitive part of your brain so they're just all id and uh and they can talk and scary and um so the comic gets really really violent and really gruesome and i would absolutely love to see an adaptation of cross but i cannot imagine i mean it's totally possible on one of these premium streaming services right because it would just be like a pretty hard r show but you'd have to do some dark magic to make it palatable to a mainstream audience because uh, Crossed is also a series that has traded hands. A few different creators have worked on Crossed, so there is kind of an inconsistency, I would say, to some of the quality. Some of the individual books are really good. Some of them become less good, and and uh, then there's also this series called Crossed Plus 100, where it's like 100 years have passed, and so society is kind of rebuilding, and I think Alan Moore actually wrote the first one of those, so that one's pretty solid, too, because that's like the, the best comic book writer ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, also not on my list, but crossed. Uh, I, I can't recommend anyone check it out, <laughs> but <laughs> if you have a strong stomach, you could always just read the Wikipedia page if you want to hear how they approach zombies. Yeah, it's a bit of a different take, but yeah, as, as you said, it, it can be a little extreme um, in, in the violence, which, you know, is like there, there's a lot of stuff out there, I think, that's probably comparable to it. So it's I don't think it really stands alone in in its own but um it's definitely like at the far end of like uh just like the rough stuff um and yeah. it really explores that whole uh id taking like the, the like over everything and just going ham with uh being crazy and violent yeah um 
But that is not what Something is Killing the Children is doing. (laughs) Despite what that name may make you think, uh, I think Something is Killing the Children is very, very palatable to anyone who likes horror. Uh, And there is some violence, of course, but I I don't think it's anything that's going to scare certainly any American off. We love that stuff. (laughs) Um. I think while we're talking about horror, and if you don't have anything else to to, no, to, yeah, to share on on this, um, one of the things, unsurprisingly, on my list is uh, what I've called the Resident Evil Total Completion Project, <laughs> and um, this is a project I I have begun. Oh, probably it's been it's been probably a year in the works now, but. Um, Essentially, I'm going to finish, not finish, uh, complete um, 100% every Resident Evil game that I own. Uh, and we talked previously about like Umbrella Core and Operation Raccoon City and some of those, uh, you know, additional spinoff pieces. I'm probably not going to touch those. Um, one, I don't have them. So there's that. But also, yeah, right. two, they're like <laughs> weird, bad games. And why would I do that? Why would I play those? But um, I, I wanted to share some update on the Resident Evil Total Completion Project. And as of today, um, I have completed the original Resident Evil from 1996. Like, and 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 my metrics for for completion are unlocking every unlockable game mode, weapon, just like anything that you can unlock. Uh, in these games, it is unlocked. The If there's uh, achievements for the game on Steam or anywhere else, uh, I have all of those as well. So it's pretty much just, you know, going through and 100%ing a game. And, and so far, the original Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil 2, uh, Resident Evil 1 remake, Resident Evil Outbreak, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 2 remake... Resident Evil 3 Remake and Resident Evil Zero are the games that I have just completely 100% uh, cleared. All unlockables, all un- all game modes, all trophies or achievements. Wow. Um, and so what's, what remains on the list is the original Resident Evil 3, which I think kind of sounds surprising because I, I talk so much about that game and I love it so much. How couldn't I have already like 100% of it? Nemesis is why. Um, <laughs> and there's also, you have to beat the game like eight or nine times to unlock all of the epilogues. Uh, there are these like little endings uh, and epilogue uh, scenes for each character in the franchise from Jill to Chris to Claire, Leon, uh, Sherry. So all of those characters have a little bit of story uh, in Resident Evil 3, but you have to play the game a few times over in order to unlock those pieces, which I haven't gotten yet. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try for that because, like, why not? They're, they're nice, all, like, yeah. little neat pieces. Um, and then along with that, the other games to complete are Resident Evil 5, <sighs> Resident <laughs> Evil 6, <sighs> Resident Evil 7, which um, I think that'll be really fun. Yeah, Resident right. Evil Revelations and Resident Evil Revelations 2, um, which Resident Evil Revelations 2 looks like it has quite a lot uh, to, 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 to work with, which I'm uh, kind of excited for. 
Uh, I'm, I want to get back into the revelations because I feel like the first time I played through those games, I didn't really give them um, as much of uh, a consideration, but um, I really want to give them another shot. Yeah, I like those games. They're fun. And then Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which I only have for PlayStation 4. I, I really wish that they would make this game. Uh, they'd port it for PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, instead of a Resident Evil 4 remake, how about remaking Code Veronica X, Capcom? <laughs> hey, That hey, actually nudge, would nudge. be a good idea because everyone still talks about Resident Evil 4. Like, it would actually yeah. would be smart for them. Like, 3 Remake was a, uh, I opened this can of worms very carefully, uh, <laughs> a, I think a smart move just in terms of, like, uh, how readily available was the game, you know? Yes. Um, and, and Code Veronica definitely, I think, would lend itself to that. And there's, like, right. really fun plot uh, points in that game. And um, it's also, like, it's really fun to play as Chris and Claire in a game. Um, so it, I would like to see that. Uh, back in the forefront again yeah and then also the last one on the list is resident evil village um for which i i want to share last night i completed my village of shadows difficulty Ooh, run how was that it was really really fun um also like legitimately challenging um i i want to th- throw out spoilers ahead potentially did you do it lucas style I did not. I did not do it Lucas style, okay. but I did do it um, like '80s action film style, where you know how in those '80s action films it just feels like the, they 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 never run out of bullets. Well, neither did I. I never <laughs> ran out of any bullets. Um, Hell yeah. I had I had um, the like I had so many weapons unlocked with infinite ammo. I had an infinite ammo. Um, uh, uh, v sixty one pistol, infinite ammo sig shotgun. Infinite ammo sniper rifle, infinite ammo hand cannon, infinite ammo magnum, infinite ammo grenade launcher. It was just awesome. Uh, Ethan, Ethan was strapped and ready to go, and was not playing around with Mother Miranda this time. How was that first um, lichen thing though? The survival part. Honestly, it was easy because I had weapons like the the magnum still one shots lichens. Well, but I mean, uh, like it, before you can get to those, that very first lichen survival thing that we've talked about on the show before. Oh, you can, you, your your weapons carry over a new game plus. Wait, so to do that, do I just not start a new save file? Correct. Yeah. If you if you uh, oh my when, god when when you finish oh the game. F- It'll ask you to make a cleared Are you fucking data me? save. Yeah, I did And that. when you load the cleared oh, data fun. save, <laughs> you can choose your difficulty mode upon starting a new game plus. And all of the weapons, ammunition, healing items, uh, everything that's in your inventory, the money even, uh, carries over. And once you okay. get to the village... Okay. You then you have access to all of it before you even meet the duke. I'm so f- stupid. I'm just a real dumb guy. Because <laughs> that's why I had such a hard time with the hardcore. Now, you were right. After the Lycan fight at the beginning of the game, hardcore was extremely easy as soon as I talked to the Duke and got my infinite ammo assault rifle. But uh, yeah, that's going to save me a lot of time just starting it with an infinite ammo assault rifle. I feel like hardcore is the way to play the game. And and it's it's like the best of both worlds as far as like difficulty, survival horror and action uh, and like playing through hardcore and like having that challenge with the Lycan fight is totally worth the, the frustration 
because like nothing else compared to it, at least in my playthrough, like nothing yeah. else compared to that moment of like, oh, what do I do? How do I survive? And on Village of Shadows, they, they changed like a little bit, but not a lot. It, it's definitely not to the in, uh, intensity of the changes in uh, Inferno from Resident Evil 3 remake, mm -hmm. which is a little disappointing. Um, I've also heard that Madhouse difficulty on Resident Evil 7 is a hell of a lot more like different and remixed. So I'm excited to play that mode and see how it's different compared yeah. to Village of Shadows. Uh, but there were a few areas of Village of Shadows that um, did definitely catch me off guard and they got me uh, dead. They cut off both Ethan's hands mm. and um, I could not put them back on uh, to, save, to save the day. Ran out of juice. I ran out of juice. And... Um, those moments were primarily uh, the big guy with the mace that Chris fights underground. Mm -hmm. um, and because uh, that, that, that assault rifle does not do much of a punch on Village of Shadows. It's okay at best. Um, even with infinite ammo, it's like painfully, uh, painfully wow. weak. Um, and then uh, the final boss fight with Mother Miranda took me a few tries, but um, I, I got through that and got my achievement and my, my bragging rights. Now it's not village of shadows, new game, no shop items. There are, there are streamers that are speed running that difficulty without any of the unlockable items. And I don't think that I can do that. So yeah, I'm proud to watch from the sidelines, but thank you for your service. This is the best I, I think I can do. I got what I need. I'm moving on to other challenges in village. And I think I'm, I'm going to finish village and then maybe, Oh, maybe Resident Evil 7's next on the completion list. I have a couple village questions for you. Yes. Because I'm also still playing through. Have you done the achievements yet where it's like you have to have a certain amount of money in your inventory? I've done one of those, and it is the achievement for having 8 million lay. And okay. um, essentially the way that I pulled that off is at the very end, right before the fight with Mother Miranda, I uh, sold all my weapons. And use the money to upgrade some other weapons. But in that process, I got the 8 million that I needed uh, for the trophy. Now, the, the ones with specific, like you need um, like the countdown, 5, yeah, 4, 3, 2, yeah. 1. I have no clue how to do those yet. And I'm sure there's a there's a method. There has to be a method. I'm sure, yeah. It's just a matter of being good at maths, which I'm not. Because again, I'm, I'm a dumb guy. Okay, well, I was just curious if you had figured out a workaround for those. Second question is uh, related to mercenaries. What was your strat for the second round of levels? Because I'm now trying to get through Village 2 before I move on to Castle 2. And I have found the scoring is actually a little more lenient. Like I got A rank already and I did not feel like I was playing particularly well. Um, but for me right now, it's just a knife video game. It's become Resident Evil Mordow because I found with the knife uh, specials, you can really just become a killing machine with that. And I was wondering if you found a strat that worked for you, because I know we approached the first four a little differently. I did end up sticking with shotgun to get the S, the required S ranks on all those. Uh, but I, I was just curious what, what you found for the second round. So for the the the, the second variant of the f four mercenary stages, what I did was um, I start out by selling healing items and you only get the Lemmy pistol yeah and you, st you you upgrade the lemmy pistol i think it's like a few in power a few in reload speed and f fire rate 
and then save your ammo capacity upgrades for in between rounds if you can. So, because mm-hmm. um, you know the ammo capacity trick. Yep. If if in a Resident Evil game, if you have no bullets in the in the in the clip, none in the chamber, then any like extended mag or uh, gun upgrade. Sometimes like it doesn't matter what the upgrade is. Depending on the game, you just add the upgrade to the gun, and then boom, you have a full clip. Wow, magic! Um, and that works here as well. When you buy an ammo capacity upgrade, it's free ammo. It's free real estate. And um, which rules if you have Magic Magazine? Because then you're just like, all right, seventy free bullets. Here we go. Yes, it it uh, it, it is it is phenomenal. So in the uh, the second difficulty, I think that is a kind of a must because i on some of the stages you do kind of run low on ammo but the lemmy is the way to go and i would usually save uh twenty thousand lay to also buy the magnum which i would save for uh the big dudes the the, the big boys that do a lot of the hurt um okay and so uh i think the objective with that difficulty is less chaining combos together it the the timer for the combo is a lot more lenient it's a little longer um than it is on the initial stages but um i found in some cases just surviving is enough to get the rank that you want which oh okay triple s is definitely uh bragging rights and the mercenaries double s if you get every stage of double s you unlock a very 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 special weapon um, which is super fun to play with. I, I got a chance to play with it a little bit. It's great. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it's, yeah. But uh, yeah, surviving is pretty much, I think, the key metric. If you make it to the end, then you likely have enough time and money and so forth to to get a decent rank. Uh, there were even some stages where uh, I died in like the second to last or the last area, and I still got double S rank. Um, and if you die, your rank carries over, so you don't have to finish the stage. You could just exit, and then you're good. Yeah. Um, and so um, surviving is the key point. Everyone's faster. Everyone is a little bit more strong, and your gun is a little pea shooter. Um, it is challenging, but take it slow, and you'll get through it. So a strategy I found that got me my A, which is I think if I just honed this I actually could. I'm going to try it a little more because I think it could get me there all the way. Knowing that it's not so much about the combo, it's more about surviving helps a lot because there was a few of the rounds where I just went for the exit. I didn't comb through and try to find everyone like I would have in the first round of levels. But I I upgraded the power of the Lemmy all the way at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it helped a little bit. It was still it still would take like maybe five shots unless I was getting headshots. On average, it took about five shots to down an enemy. Um and then I, I lucked out and I got uh, Masumane, the thing that makes your knife attacks 10 times stronger. And then I also just got the five times stronger knife boost. So I was all, it was awesome. <laughs> I was just like one shotting even the big guys with the knife. And uh, then I lucked out and got a few more really good synergy uh, perks that like uh, basically lowered the damage I took and I got the one where if I'm blocking, I get no damage. So mm-hmm. it really worked out for me. But the problem there is that's a lot of luck because if you don't, yeah. if you don't get those power ups, um, then it's just kind of, you're kind of screwed. So I don't think I'm going to, I think I'll stick with that for a little bit where I will upgrade Lemmy. And then after round two, if I haven't gotten the knife perks, that way I still have money and resources to buy weapons. Yeah. The, uh, 
the randomness of the abilities uh, definitely plays into it. And I, I found on those uh, last four stages, there is also an interesting dynamic between which abilities that you do choose, because sometimes you're presented with a choice to do more damage with the weapons that you've already chosen to use. And uh, some of the other ones are recovering HP, which is a lot more important on these stages than it is on the first four. So I kind of like found myself weighing like, ooh, do I want to deal more damage now or do I play it safe and, you know, every time I down an enemy or every time I shoot a gun, I get some HP back, which, you know, you only get so many healing items in the course of these stages. It made for a very uh, interesting change to the feel of mercenaries um, even though I, I still stand like I really hope Capcom uh, publishes a few extra stages as DLC because I, I think I would like more mercenaries. I'm loving mercenaries. I actually think uh, I've in our episode, I believe I gave Resident Evil 8 and 8.5. I think I'm going to bump it to nine because I am having a lot of fun with the end game stuff. And I'm not a huge end game guy when it comes to games. A lot of times I'm very happy to finish a campaign, maybe wrap up a few loose ends if it's like, you know, side quests or just things I want to collect. But a lot of times I finish the main campaign and then I'm, I'm happy to be done. But I keep coming back to this game and I know I'm going to play through the story at least two more times because I want to do Village of Shadows and then I want to do the um, under three hour speed run achievement. And I might also tie that in with the knife only run. So that would definitely be casual. And then I've also thought I might want to do uh, a third run just with like all my awesome uh, infinite ammo weapons. So we'll see. I have something I could talk about next. And it's it's what I talk about best, Mike. It's more video games. <laughs> I've been uh, giving my 3DS a bit of a workout lately. Oh, we're back to the 3DS. We are back back on my bullshit, friend. Uh, so I've been playing um, a couple games, actually. But mostly I've been playing Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, which is uh, the 3DS port of the Wii game. And... I'm not sure if I have anything real insightful to say about its design, uh, but it's doing some pretty good things for my brain because uh, I'm going to say some stuff now that's going to make me sound very, very old, but I'm okay with it, Michael. I found my first gray hair recently and I embraced it. I'm a well-adjusted adult. Time comes for us all and I'm here for it. Uh, The first thing is um, this is admittedly less impressive in the Switch era and the era of tablets and smartphones, but uh, I remember buying this game on Wii. I think it was the last new game I purchased on Wii. It was the second semester of our freshman year, Bowling Green. And uh, now just being able to play it on this handheld console and it looks good and sounds good and runs well, it's just a real treat. I'm uh, That novelty is not lost on me. Uh, the second thing is the 3DS hurts my hands now. <laughs> I have these big <laughs> man hands and uh, I noticed my thumbs start hurting when I play it, so I had to buy a little grip that goes around the bottom of the 3ds and basically just makes it feel more like a controller but besides that uh this game's doing good stuff for my brain it's a lot of fun the music is is awesome uh the set pieces in the game are really cool i think it is sometimes a little unfair uh it definitely isn't afraid to like i can appreciate a game that doesn't have a lot of tutorials especially a platformer where they just want you to go and figure it out 
but it definitely isn't afraid to teach you how to do something in the form of just killing you. <laughs> so like <laughs> you jump on a platform and discover, oh, that platform uh, falls when I touch it. Okay, so now I'm falling to my death. Great. Uh, or, oh, the cannon explodes after I launch myself out of it. So if I want to get that collectible, I got to you know launch myself up there and then figure something out well, where I can land. But it, the movement feels really good, which I think in a game like this is kind of your number one thing you must do. Uh, and I never beat it on the Wii, but I'm, I'm going to beat it on the 3DS. They actually added, uh, they call it new mode. So it has new and original mode, which is essentially easy and normal. Um, and I actually appreciate them making the easier mode for the handheld because it feels pretty good on the 3DS, but even my old man hand cramps aside, uh, it's just going to be harder to play on a handheld. I feel like that's not the switch. You know, the switch I think has done a pretty good job of basically just feeling like a controller, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. You know, I don't, like I said, I don't really know. I, I, I'd be hard pressed to fill an episode talking about it, which is why I'm mentioning it here, but it's been really, really a treat to play. And I do want to play Tropical Freeze, but I have a hard time paying $60 for that on Switch. It may very well be worth it. I may play it and love it and have no problem, but I ended up going with Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D because it was 20 bucks. It's part of that Nintendo Select thing that they did with every console but the Switch so far, and I really hope they bring it back for the Switch because uh, that's awesome, and I guess for anyone who doesn't know, that's basically their like greatest hits. So once a game, uh, once it meets its sales quota, they give it to you for 20 bucks, and uh, even if it was 30 on the Switch, that would be really nice. I'd really, really welcome that. Yeah, I feel like Tropical Freeze is a little a little overpriced at $60. It's like uh, I remember seeing um, people talking about the HD port of Skyward Sword and it's $60 for the Switch, which um, the the joke is, uh, you know, buy a game new at $40 <laughs> or wait until it goes up in price to buy $60. After a decade, you know, yeah. <laughs> after a decade goes by. And, and I think that, yeah, Nintendo should bring that that select program to the switch and i think tropical freeze is like it seems like a really fun game to play but you're right i don't want to pay 60 bucks for an old game um it seems kind of backwards so i i going going the route you did is probably the way to go shame about the hands though those, those hey you know big big, big hands on the 3ds <sighs> big I know. man hands uh I, oh another thing i wanted to add is is like they added in tropical freeze you know they have the uh the funky mode where you can play as funky kong and it makes the levels a little easier yes they have something like that in this it's actually in in the first donkey Kong country returns it's very similar to how it is in like the new mario games where you just it's like you summon super kong or whatever his name is and it's essentially a computer walks through the level for you and uh, it gives you, you know, you don't collect any of the stuff because there are a lot of collectibles and secret areas that are fun to find. Uh, but it basically just doesn't gate your progress. It doesn't mark the level as beaten because it has the classic Mario overworld map where when you clear a level, the little tile turns blue. And if you haven't cleared it, it's red. I believe it keeps the level red, but it also still opens up the path after you so you can come back to it if you choose or it's presumably for younger players. I have used it once because there is a level <laughs> that is basically Flappy Bird. You get this little rocket and you have to press buttons to make it go up. And then you have to like time, you know, the drops and, and, you know, accelerate again. And I got to the very, very end, but there's like a little bit of a boss encounter when you're on that stupid rocket. And I probably tried it 30 times. And then I was like, you know what? I don't <laughs> want to do this. <laughs> like, I, I just, I'm not interested in this. Uh, even now, like I'm, 
I'm liking the game well enough where I'm going to finish it. I have no interest in 100%ing it. If I miss something, I'm not going to go back and grab it. Uh, it's fun enough, but the frustration I felt when I played it back in college is still there a little bit. And it's not the kind of game I feel like throwing myself at to like get really good at, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, 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 is, it, is it the Dark Souls of Donkey Kong? It might be the Dark Souls of Donkey Kong. Until we get Donk Souls, when Nintendo Donk finally Souls. responds to my letters. Yes, we need a crossover from software, Nintendo, Donk Souls. Donk you heard Souls. it from us. <laughs> uh, another game I've been very <laughs> lightly playing on 3DS is actually, I've, uh, have you ever played Shovel Knight, Mike? Oh, yeah, I love Shovel Knight. Yeah, so I kind of got back into Shovel Knight because um, I read uh, Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is all about, it's like just 10 stories about real video game development. And so each chapter is about a different game and talked about Shovel Knight in that. And as I was reading, I was like, man, I should get back into Shovel Knight. And I hadn't realized after all this time, I never downloaded the Treasure Trove update. Ah, so you had new Shovel Knight to play. Yeah, because I had played the Plague Knight campaign, but I, I have not played Spectre Knight or King Knight. So I started a Spectre Knight run and I've only beaten the first level, but I'm definitely going to spend more time with it. Man, Shovel Knight's a good game, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I just... I, I remember playing through it the very first time, and it was a an, a wonderful and enjoyable uh, like retro platformer. Mm -hmm. um, they did a wonderful job making just that initial Shovel Knight campaign, but then um, the additional game modes were a surprise. Like just a, I think a few years later, uh, you have entirely new games to come with it. And they for me, the way I bought the game, it was free, so it was like a big surprise like thank you um and uh they're really fun and it's really interesting to see the move sets and how it changes the way that you move through that that those level designs uh, yeah. this is a solid game because it's not just a palette swap it is like a totally new character they write stories for them i believe uh the plague knight takes place i think during shovel knight it's like at the same time but then the other two specter knight and king knight are prequels and uh Plague Knight had the very a very similar map structure. It was using kind of some of those assets. So far, the uh, Spectre Knight run is totally different. They like it's a new world layout. It actually is much more like Mega Man, where you just pick which level you want to go to and then go there and fight that boss. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. It's really really cool, and I, I'm definitely gonna try out every one of the two nights I haven't yet. Maybe even beat them. We'll see. Yeah, those games uh, or, or that game, I should say. It feels like several different games uh, yeah. kind of wrapped up into one because of how they different they feel from each other um but those that game there there i go again uh that <laughs> game is really fun uh and i i recommend it to anybody who you know if, if you're like longing for the the days of the, the nintendo or the super nintendo and the platforming games that came with it uh then that's your game you you you, you want shovel knight and um uh, like shout out to Yacht Club Games for just making uh, a phenomenal, uh, enjoyable game. Uh, I, I should give Shovel Knight a revisit sometime soon. It's really good. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. That's one I feel like Ooh. we could actually talk about. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I'm back in it now. And if you're happy to go through, we could maybe uh, talk about Shovel Knight because I could talk a little bit more about what I learned from the book. But I won't right now. I'll hold off because it who knows? All right. Um one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I probably mentioned it before on the show, I think I think when we talked about like our game of the years, uh, games of the year, 
I, I might have mentioned this game. But uh, I have been playing a little bit more recently than I was a few months ago. Uh, uh, more often now, I should say. Uh, is Phasmophobia. And, oh, we talked a lot about some spooky things. Uh, and, you know, by now you probably know that Roman and I love a good spooky game. A good spooky movie. And Phasmophobia is getting very good. Like, it's it's always been a very good game. But uh, it is getting better uh, by the day. And to see that, I'm very, very happy uh, you know, watching it grow and progress. And for those who don't know, Phasmophobia is a ghost hunting game. If you've ever seen Ghost Adventures or any kind of like ghost reality TV show where they go in a house and try to find a ghost, then uh, this is the game for you. you. You pretty much are that ghost hunter. And... Every uh, stage that you go to, there is a ghost. You just have to figure out what kind of ghost it is mm -hmm. and maybe do a few little extra things for fun and, and money. And as you're investigating this uh, building for a ghost, uh, it, it's scary. The ghost, you know, does things like it'll ring a phone or like knock on the, the window or um, try to scare you. And if you stay in the house too long, your sanity drops and the ghost starts hunting after you. And if it catches you, well, it kills you. And now you're a ghost too. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a very fun game to play with friends. Online. Yeah, I know what happens when I die, Mike. I've read the freaking Bible. <laughs> uh, it's a very fun game to play online with friends. Um, and it's even more fun when like it's chaotic and you have no clue what you're doing and everyone's just like, like walking through a house and like telling, uh, you know, telling a story to your friend, uh, while you're trying to hunt a ghost and the ghost is also like listening to your story and, yeah. and like, you know, and then what happened like, <laughs> and yelling at you, like, or trying to scare you from the distance. It's great. Um, and, and I, I also want to really shout out the developer. I think it's one person who is behind this game and i think it's also their first game that they've made mm -hmm. so uh they've done an incredible job of making something that like we've poured hours into um they've, they've done incredible work and uh since the game's release on steam they have continued to update the game uh, over the course of its life life to, uh, span so far right now i think the most recent update was like a few weeks ago they're very active with updating the game which is phenomenal so it's an early access game but like every few weeks or every month or so you can expect something to to change or uh to to be switched around so it doesn't become stale it it, it stays very dynamic and engaging because you don't really know what to expect will come next um and they have change the game enough that it's kind of scary again um you know if you get if you play horror games you kind of get used to the scares uh, after playing through them uh putting a few hours in well phasmophobia they, they're switching it up enough that uh there are some genuinely terrifying moments uh even though we've we've put some time into the game and um i think that uh anybody looking for a good supernatural horror game phasmophobia is the one you know get some friends even playing online with some random people sometimes is really enjoyable uh because it's not like a it's not league of legends it's not competitive 
um, it is spooky. So uh, going in with random uh, people online can, you know, your mileage may vary, but it can also be really fun because, you know, if someone's just screaming over the microphone, then Ghost is probably going to go after them. Right. Let them. Yeah. Yeah. Just let them be. Yeah. I should uh, get back into Phasmophobia. I really, really like it, but I haven't played it in a month or so. Yeah, sometimes I feel like the games, like depending on what ghost you get, it can last a little while. So if you've got the time, um, like we, we've been like regularly knocking out stages in like maybe 20, 30 minutes at, at the longest. Um, and um, our friend Matt has been recording some episodes for uh, Let's Let's Plays of Phasmophobia, which I'm really excited to see because oh, yeah. I think we've had some really fun and funny moments uh, searching for these ghosts. So that's a little hint at something to come, but um, yeah, I I, I I I really like this game. I feel like whenever someone's like, "Hey, you want to play Phasmophobia?" I just can't say no. I just gotta <laughs> I gotta jump in and find some ghosts. Well, I hope you're ready to jump back into Dead by Daylight soon because next week it'll be actually just maybe the day before. Yeah, it'll be the by the time this episode is out, we'll know who the Resident Evil characters are. Excellent. I heard rumors it might be one of the witches from resident evil 8 like the though like one one of the sisters oh as the killer i yeah I, I again like nothing's been announced but i've just heard rumors and the rumors go in every direction you why know, would you not nemesis. just do it's yeah lady Dimitrescu then right I, I was thinking the same thing and, and like, you know, no disrespect to the sisters there. I like them as characters in the game, but that seems like a missed opportunity when you have all of the Resident Evil canon at your fingertips. Like even William Birkin would be better. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think they were like really fun mini bosses. Yeah, they're fun when they show up in mercenaries, too. Like it's a yeah, they, they kind of add to that, um, that like, like the castle is a really tough part of that game uh, for like a first playthrough. And they are one of the reasons why I didn't, I did not anticipate seeing them so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, yeah, there's so much available in the Resident Evil canon that like, even for me, um, the, the only character that I wouldn't want to be killer in Dead by Daylight is Nemesis because yeah. Nemesis is a, he, a sprinter. Nemesis just runs really fast and I don't feel like dead by daylight is the kind of game that would do nemesis correctly because nemesis just walking around isn't as intimidating and scary as nemesis like sprinting after you to chase you i think nemesis would be as fast as the survivors if uh, nemesis was adapted to that game yeah but mr x birkin um, there's just a plethora of even wesker monsters like, wesker yeah. wouldn't look that cool visually uh, if they just went with his base human appearance, but uh, it would be kind of cool just to have like a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like their um, their uh, their most recent killer, right? The um, uh, the K-pop, the K-pop. Kill- yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of just a just a guy. Yeah, right. Even he, even he, Legion also kind of looks like just a person. That's true, but like even the K-pop person looks kind of dead. Like <laughs> yeah. Wesker's just a guy who wears sunglasses at night, so you know he's kind of depraved. Well, and and through the the uh, those UV lenses, you can also see the uh, the little red dots in his eyeballs. He's right? Like yeah, maybe he's got eyes. a meter. He charges up and then can do like cool stuff. I think I think Mister X is maybe a safe bet. Yeah, I I think as well because um like I feel like his style 
is like Mr. X just he doesn't run. He just kind of, you know, does a, a like a fast walk after yeah. you and then punches you real hard. Yeah, right. Um, whereas like Nemesis, his counterpart runs really fast and punches you and sometimes shoots rockets. At, like, I don't I don't think that Dead by Daylight could do a killer that has a rocket launcher. Right. You know? Though they do. They have gone all in on the running killers now. So like we have three or four killers in the game that can run. So like Nemesis wouldn't be a super surprise to me. Uh, I'm actually, but he needs he needs a rocket launcher. Still. Well, right. Yeah. That maybe that could be again. He's got a meter and he gets like one rocket launch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am actually really curious to see. And we may have talked about this on the show. I can't remember who the survivors are. Yeah, because I feel like you're going to have to. Whoever they choose, I think it's going to have to go the route of like a more offensive killer who can like distract or I'm sorry, a a survivor who can distract the killer and maybe even has a way to fight back in their skill set. Just because I don't think Capcom would be interested in like loaning out Chris Redfield and Jill uh, to just have them be powerless. Uh, Like we've talked about in our Resident Evil 8 episode, uh, Chris Redfield now is like this commando who's never caught off guard. And of course this is like dead by daylight. It's non-canonical. Like I'm not trying to sound like I'm like some sort of stickler. And frankly, I think, Chris Redfield and Jill are like the obvious choices. I think they're like kind of right there. Maybe Leon and Jill. But there's also, I think, a like a disconnect if there's like too much of a change from the characters that they are. Yes, when exactly. They're embedded into Dead by Daylight. And that's like the same thing as my thoughts about Nemesis. Like if it's like just not the same character by the gameplay design, then it feels like it could have been, you know, some, it's kind of a wasted opportunity where it could have been something that would complement dead by daylight's design. Right. And also be from resident evil. I feel like the same case in the survivors, like there are probably, uh, cast members in the franchise that would be great for that role that, um, wouldn't feel out of place because, you know, they're not Chris Redfield. They didn't punch a boulder. Yeah, uh, they even Ethan, punch Ethan would work, but we don't. We're not supposed to see his face ever. I guess <laughs> maybe That's, he'll be the killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a just a, um, a headless man with a void, and <laughs> his, his 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 like kill move is he just like you know gives you a kiss with the void. He just looks like the dead cells protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I and, and and to behavior's credit, they've always done a good job of making the killers and survivors feel different and feel more so the killers. Uh, I think feel like they're from their franchise. Like when you, when you play as Mike Myers, for example, you feel like you're stalking like the shape would. And uh, so I, I actually have faith in them to do something cool. I'm just really curious to see who it's going to be. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that I'm, I'll probably pick it up. The, oh, definitely. Uh, the Res- yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember there was a time where we thought that there would never be a resident evil dead by daylight crossover. And here we are. Right. What a, what a year. Well, in our defense, they released Project Resistance a year ago. That's true. <laughs> so so uh, we it was, I think, fair to go. Uh, they're not. They're just going to try to do it themselves. I wonder where Project Resistance will be next year. Uh, yeah. I wonder where it is now. Yeah, yeah me <laughs> too. Because it's not too, on my hard honestly. drive. <laughs> <laughs> it is not on mine either. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to play that game again, yeah, unfortunately. For the for the developers that are definitely listening, I'm well, sorry. well, now that they've added it to Dead by Daylight, I have no reason to. <laughs> like you've, <laughs> you've just given me the thing I wanted anyway, so great. 
yeah, I'm just always going to play as the Resident Evil killer and survivor. Right. Uh, no, no brand loyalty here. <laughs> it's uh, interesting because I, I'm on track. There's basically one Dead by Daylight expansion a year I buy. And in March of last year, it was the Western one. And so this year it'll be uh, Resident Evil, it looks like. There you go. Um, thank you, uh, Behavior and Capcom. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess. And you're welcome for my money. <laughs> um, I have one more thing I could talk about that I wasn't planning on talking about because it is talk about being an old man. <laughs> Mike, what do you know about Downton Abbey? <laughs> I know absolutely nothing. Well, I'm I just watching know it that now. I, I, I think I think it's what it's British. Yep. Uh, okay, that's I'm all on, I know. I'm on season two, and I got it was be on honest, PBS, right? Yes, it's kind of a delight, man. Uh, it's definitely a little twee. <laughs> so <laughs> like I'm opening myself up to that criticism. Do you, do you stick your pinky out now when you drink tea? Also, do you drink tea now? I call everyone my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've so Katie was watching it and she wanted me to give it a shot. So I did. And it was one of those like, uh, very kind of slice of life, but this period piece about this mansion that's run in the early 1900s. And, uh, it wasn't bad, but I was not hooked. And there's just something about the, the characters are all pretty well written. And like, there are people, they are people that like, uh, instinctively I want to hate, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's the Lord of the manor. It's like, oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, I don't want to like that guy. Like, but, uh, they're written in a way that is very likable. And I think the show to, this is to their credit. This is not a criticism. I think they do some gymnastics to make them likable, which I think is effective in a, like a TV show, you know, cause I can, I know what's real life and what's TV. So like I can suspend my disbelief and go like, okay, yeah, that this is a pretty good guy. Uh, mm -hmm. he's a good person in the world of this show. Uh, and it's just about the lives of the people that live in this house. And then also the servants that live there and like serve them. And there's this really funny, uh, minor plot in the first season where essentially the, the, the master of the house, your Lordship, what is what we'll call him out of respect, Michael. Uh, he is trying to find an heir because he has three daughters. So his, the next person in line to inherit this estate is like a cousin, like a second cousin or something. And so this guy comes into town and he starts learning about the house. And the, the this character's first reaction is to very much be like, this whole thing is so silly. Like the whole, like the idea that there's like people who live here and their whole thing is just working at the house and that I even need this house is like, like, I'm probably just going to sell it. But he's like convinced over time to uh, not do that. And, and one of the ways they go about it, this is where it gets a little funny, is they introduce this element of like, well, the butlers and the maids and the cooks are very proud of their work. So therefore you shouldn't diminish it. And I do think that's true. I think like, obviously even in the real world, you shouldn't like look down at your nose at laborers, right? Like that's just like being a good human. And a lot of those jobs are really hard jobs and they're tough jobs. Uh, anything from an actual housekeeper to the service industry, but just the way it is gone about in the show is it's like this character says something really snide to uh, a Butler character. And then a few episodes later, he goes like, Another character tells him, like, but don't you think, like, they see value in their serving you? 
<laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, like I that's like valid and sure you again, you shouldn't be shitty to laborers. But uh like I said, it's just these these gymnastics the show kind of does to make you sympathize with the ruling class. <laughs> and um, Yeah, sounds a sounds a little bourgeois. Yeah, oh, oh 100%. Absolutely it is. Um but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'll never be a lord of a manor. I'm not too worried about it, but uh, it is pretty good. And I don't mind spoiling this because I don't think you'll ever watch this show. And this is the end of season one. Uh, World War One breaks out at the end of season one. <laughs> so oh, cool. Season two is like kind of a war show a little bit. And uh, it's actually kind of interesting. And I it got me thinking I would kind of like it if this show just every season was a new historical event. And they do like the Simpsons thing we talked about at the top where the characters are stone age. It's just this different like and I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> they do the late 2010s and it's a TikTok mansion. <laughs> Suffice to say, I like Downton Abbey. I'm not going to say I don't. I'm enjoying watching it. I'm definitely going to keep watching it. But there is part of me that's a little conflicted. Like, I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not part of that class, obviously. But then additionally, is 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 that the title of the show is named after the mansion that's downtown? Downtown Abbey? It's just Downton. D o w n t o n. Nope, no. There's yeah, no yeah, second. It's, it's an it's an abbey that's downtown. No, there's no second. There's no second W. Downton. Down downtown. Da- yeah, uh, fine. Whatever. Yeah, fine. <laughs> downtown. <laughs> downtown Abbey. <laughs> downtown Abigail. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the the long name for the show. Yeah. Every, everybody knows that in 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 England they they when they want to say the short form of downtown they go downton 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 downton. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, I have one more thing on my list. Sure. And it's a pretty short one. Uh, but I've also uh, recently jumped into Mordhau uh, with some friends, uh, friend Matt and Trey uh, and James. And uh, Mordhau went on sale on Steam. And they have been pressuring me yeah. to get this game. They uh, They pressured me so much they bought it for me one day literally oh, inescapable nice. i was with them and they bought it for me and i played mordhau with them <laughs> i uh i well i i should have I, I am gonna go and uh talk to matt and trey now and tell them they owe me you know 15 it, you gotta bucks. expense it to them yeah yeah it's <laughs> like i'm gonna send you the uh the, the the receipts and get my my you know my reimbursement um it goes on the company card <laughs> uh but mordhau is a pretty fun game it's 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 Definitely, uh, like it reminds me of uh, an old mod for Half Life Two, which was called Pirates, Vikings, and Knights. And uh, in that mod, you played as pirates, Vikings, or knights in a like deathmatch mode. Uh, and you had like the you know different abilities depending on you know which team you picked. It was neat. And this game like just gives me that vibe. You know, it's uh, really good like swordplay action. So if you like medieval stuff. Um, then there is no shortage of medieval weaponry and armor uh, and tactics to uh, engage with in this game. Uh, so that is like uh, a perfect for anybody who's into that kind of stuff. And um, there's like a little bit of like custom character creation, which is really fun in it. My uh, my preferred class I named. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get to the name last. Actually, my preferred <laughs> class I I have is Y Hander Sword and a loot. And the loot is really the centerpiece of my my character build, um, which I've named Bard Person. Um, <laughs> and 
Uh, my preferred way to play Mordhau is really against, well, I don't know if it's against the game's design, but it feels like it's against the game's design because uh, I've, I mostly only play with friends online. Um, I, I very rarely play a game online uh, solo. And in the case of Mordhau, I definitely do that um, uh, with friends versus solo. And uh, Matt can tell you quite a lot about... <laughs> how I run into battle with the loot and it's my favorite thing to follow uh, my fellow soldiers into battle just playing the most microtonal music you possibly could on the loot and then when things get a little hairy someone wants to you know lash out at me because they don't like my music but art is subjective remember it's always subjective so <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think um I, you know, you can switch stances and the loot suddenly becomes a weapon, which Incredible. is capable of parrying sword attacks. Awesome. That's so good. And, and I just love wailing on people with that loot. Just like, bam, bam. Like, you're going to make fun of my music. Bam. I'm going to hit you with the loot. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to playing it. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very fun game and like the sword play is very engaging, very good. There's a lot that you can do with it, and there are a lot of ways you can customize your character with like historical pieces of uh, weaponry and armor. Uh, but then, additionally, it's just also like a fun game to just mess around in. Like uh, you don't have to take it seriously. And m more often than not, I would encounter other players online while we played that also, you know, we're just there to have a good time. You know, if you started playing music, sometimes they start dancing for you. Um, I, I got into like duels with other bards and people would like leave us alone and give us space so that the bards could duke it out. Um, it's, it's very fun. I have something similar with Mordhau cause I'm not very good at it, but what I like to oh, do is just box. I, I am, uh, I'm trying to build a daredevil build <laughs> where I have like very little armor, uh, but like high punch skill. And I don't even know if all that's possible, but, uh, one of my, more memorable rounds was I just kept finding this guy. We had like a little corner of the map where we would just box and he would always beat me and I would just keep running back. And like, he had a friend there watching like the first time the friend killed me like out of instinct. But then the second time just <laughs> let me fight him. And uh, I got a, I got a GG at the end of it. He called me out by name and then like the global chat at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that anybody that would, you know, engage with Mordhau would probably just, it's a game for good times. It's not a, I don't think it's a game to be taken seriously. And I feel like the people that take it seriously are probably having a bad time because yeah. here I come playing the loot and they're like, God damn bards. <laughs> and I'm not going to stop following you and playing the loot. If, 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 if I happen to come in and, and meet you in Mordhau, uh, and, you know, I'm playing the loot and you're annoyed by it, that's just going to empower me. Yeah, I'm going to play it more. Uh, now, I have heard the community can be kind of toxic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I, and, and it's it's uh, it's it's an Internet game. Right. And yeah. I feel like that that unfortunately feels like like the way it goes with like online multiplayer only games is that right. you're going to run into that, which sucks. It shouldn't be that way. But I think the like the anonymity of the internet just kind of allows for that. So right, no doubt. People like sometimes like it's not worth even looking at the chat. Other times, uh, I I just loved being a very like positive uh, G rated troll. Like if someone was like genuinely mad, I'd be like, "But why are you mad? It's a video game." <laughs> right. Um, 
So um, it, it is one of those things. Like I, 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 I don't think I could play League of Legends because there's no room for that kind of like just have fun and goof off mentality that Mordhau has. But the same like toxic language and uh, like angst and 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 uh, high tensions run through the chat of League of Legends that might also happen in Mordhau. Right. And the difference is that in Mordhau, I just don't care. Oh, exactly. I don't Absolutely. care about winning or losing. I just want to play my loot. Hell yeah. In man. League of Legends, they don't have a loot. <laughs> so I don't want I don't want to play it. Yeah, well, you know, I got to give you credit because when you told me that was your new rule for games going forward, I thought it was a little limiting. But uh, it's working out for you. It is working out fairly well. And um I think that, uh, you know, loot-only gaming is a possibility for the future. I think there's some promise to it. Uh, that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for Media Consumption May. Yeah, there's a lot of media to consume. Um, so hopefully you have a, uh, a rumbly tummy to, you know, ready, ready to consume all that media. Because, you know, June's coming. And with that, there's going to be more. There's always going to be more. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? We haven't really decided if this is going to be a new monthly thing we do or if we just kind of roll it out whenever we feel like it. But we'll probably do another one of these at some point. There's so much out there and it all deserves to be criticized or not. (laughs) I don't know. At least consumed. At least consumed. That's that's what they want us to do. Right. Right. I have I have a dollar. Give me an hour of (laughs) entertainment. Yeah. But not this, though. This is free. Yes. For now. Thank no, you for listening. Kidding. It's probably going to stay free. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with our uh, regularly scheduled video game chat where Mike, you want to tell them what we're talking about? Yeah. Um, video games. It's Telltale Game Studios. Oh yeah. Telltale Game Studios. <laughs> talking about Telltale Game Studios. That's right, buddy. You nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.